currently going to school right now when I'm not working and hanging out with my four kids and wife. And um, uh, So part of my focus for my degree is on preaching. So uh, any opportunity I get to come and preach is always exciting. Um, and in this particular class I'm taking right now is on preaching uh, Old Testament narrative, which would be what we're going to do today. And so that is what we're going to do. If you guys have your Bibles, because I don't have the screen today, we're going old school, or as the youngins say, OG today. So if you have your Bibles, they're located in the pews there in front or behind you. If you'll open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to be looking at a classic Bible story that has been told through the ages, right? Everybody knows um, the story of David and Goliath, right? And, And so my hopes today is we can walk through this story and Maybe you'll learn something, maybe you won't. Maybe God will use it to encourage and help us grow in our faith, as God's word says it will. Um, So if you guys want to do that, then I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we can open up your word. Uh, We thank you that we can open up your word to what would seem to be an outdated text about a story, about a small boy and a giant. And that we can open up to this story and that you can teach us, that you can encourage us and challenge us and help us to understand who you are and who we are more through this story. And so I pray that as we walk through it this morning that you would do just that, that you would open up our hearts and ears uh, to what you have for us. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Um, So because this story is so familiar to people, there's a danger in that. The danger is, is that when we become so familiar with a story, sometimes we might assume a lot of things and or sometimes we might um, miss things. And so a few things before we actually jump into the story itself is we have to remember that the story of David and Goliath is a story within a bigger story. And that's the story of, uh, well, First Samuel. And 1 Samuel, and I'm just going to give you a little context here to kind of help us uh, build up to uh, the story of David and Goliath. Um, 1 Samuel is primarily at first about a prophet named Samuel. And he was technically the last judge because the previous book was the book of Judges. And this is the continuation of that story. Samuel becomes a prophet, and the people of Israel go, Sam... We need a king. Everyone else around us has a king. They have a monarchy, and everything seems to be going really well for them. We need a king. And Samuel goes, no, that's not how it's supposed to work with Israel. God is your king. You don't actually need a king because God's got you covered. But they insisted. And so God gave them what they wanted. And so as the, the, the story of 1 Samuel continues, he gives them a king. He gives them Saul. Saul becomes king, and at first Saul does well. He wins a mighty victory in battle. And I encourage you guys to go and read the whole book of 1 Samuel. I know it might sound uh, maybe boring, but it's really not. It's actually a really exciting tale. And so Saul becomes king, has his first victory. Things are going well. Um, But the problem was is that God had given them the king that they wanted. Does that make sense? They had given them a king that uh, the people thought would be good. If you look at the description of Saul, Saul was a very tall man, 
He's a very handsome man. He's a big guy, and he was a warrior type. And he was very dependent on that fact. He was very dependent on his warriorness and his armor and his battle shields and his army and his kingness, right? And eventually, because he became so dependent on himself and his own way and forgetting God's way, God was like, this is not the king that you need. This is the king that you want. And so, in a couple chapters previous to the story of David and Goliath, God goes to Samuel and says, I have a new king for you. Go find him. And that's when we meet David. David is the youngest brother of a family. He's the runt of the litter. And he is the one that is anointed to be the next king. And so when we get into the story of David and Goliath, the story of David and Goliath isn't actually about David and Goliath. It's about David and Saul. Because what's happening in this story is we're transitioning from Saul, the king that the people wanted, into David, the king that the people needed. And so as it transitions... It uh, comes to this story. Saul is preparing for battle, or is, excuse me, headed for battle when we start the story. Uh, David has already been anointed as the king, but he's not the king yet. Saul's still the king. Could you actually, and I I was thinking about this, I, I imagine that David goes through the process of meeting Samuel, and Samuel being like, hey, I'm a prophet, God has spoken to me, you're the next king of Israel. I just dropped a piece of my Bible. That's a really old, wrinkly Bible. Anyways, um, <laughs> and, and so I imagine David is like, okay, I've just been anointed king, and then nothing happens after that. Time goes on. He's still the runt of the litter. He's still the young, youngest brother. He still has to tend the sheep. He still has to do the duties he has to do, even though he's just been anointed to be the next king. And, and nothing happens, and he has to, he has to wait And so that's kind of where we come in when we get into the story of David and Goliath. We come into Saul has already lost the blessing of the Lord. He's no longer um, in the eyes of God king. David is. But the people still see Saul as king. And so let's begin. It's 1 Samuel 17. And I'm not going to read all 58 verses, I promise. I won't keep you here all day, so deep breaths and make it through. I'm going to focus in on a few verses, and then I'll summarize a bunch of them, okay? We'll start by setting up the setting of this awesome story, starting in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sakau, which, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Sakau and Azekah, in the word I'm not going to bother try to pronounce. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on one mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. So let's paint a picture here, all right? Why don't you guys use your imaginations? Back in those days, when they would face each other in battle, it was very typical for them for one, uh, one army to be on one side on top of a, a mountain. They say mountain. It's going to be more like hills to us, because when we think of mountains, we think of like the Rockies. It was more like a hill. So they're on top of a hill, and then there's a valley, and then the other army is camped on the other hill. And they meet for battle in the middle of this valley, just to set the scene for you. And so they're meeting for battle, 
And it was very traditional for the Philistines at the time to do this. And this is what's going to happen next, right? We, again, we all know the story. Starting in verse 4. And there came out from the camp... Sorry, this is really loud. Thanks. Um, and there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, um, whose height was six cubits in span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin and a bronze slung around his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, which in other words means it was really long. Um, And the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and the shield bearer went before him. Now, I read all that to describe to you Goliath. Goliath was a big guy. Now, a lot of scholars debate, most would say, okay, Goliath was probably like an actual giant. He was nine feet tall, and he was a big, brooding, intimidating guy. Other scholars debate, because remember, this is a story within a story. Some other scholars debate that Goliath probably was more like seven feet tall, and Israelites back then were really short, at least compared to us now. And they would have thought he was a giant. But something worth pointing out, because remember, this is a story about Saul and David, not David and Goliath. Saul was a very tall, brooding man himself. Right? And so when Goliath steps up to the plate, and as I'm going to explain here in a minute what the Philistines are about to do, is Goliath steps forward and he goes, I'll just read it. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not a servant of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, and this is key here, I defy the ranks of Israel on this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. Okay, so, uh, and the reason I mentioned Saul being tall, um, some scholars speculate, because of where this story lands, that Saul rightfully, probably, maybe, possibly could have taken on Goliath because they would have been of similar build. All right? And remember, we're comparing Saul to David. Here's what Saul does. Read the next verse. When Saul and all the Israels, all of Israel heard this, these words of the Philistine, they were what? They were dismayed and greatly afraid. So we're looking at this story within a story, and we're seeing the decline of Saul. Saul, who rightfully probably could have taken on Goliath. It probably would have been a hard fight for him, but he could have done it. Didn't. What did he do? He compared himself to Goliath probably, and, and he looked at the armor, and he looked at the fact that, like, Goliath had a guy holding a shield for him. Like, he was such a cool warrior that he didn't need to hold his own shield. Someone else did it for him. Like, this guy is the man. And Saul's looking at him and going, I can't take that guy on, despite the fact that Saul himself was probably of similar build. And I find that worth mentioning Because what we're going to find as we move along through the story is that Saul seems to be focusing only on his 
enemy and what he can't do. And we're going to see how David responds, right? And we all know how he's going to, but let's read on and find out. Because now we move on to David. Now, David was the son of a Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah. I probably mispronounced that. Named Jesse, who was old. We'll start. Uh, and David was the youngest. I skipped down to 14. Um, and verse 16. Now, sorry. Um, we are introduced to David here. And again, as I said previous, David has just been anointed king. David has been, from there, going back to, like, doing his lowly duties of uh, taking care of the sheep. And now he has to bring lunch to his brothers, as we're going to read here in a minute, which will bring him onto the scene of this battle. Um, Something worth pointing out that I never knew until I studied this text. In verse 16, it says, For 40 days the Philistine came forward and took a stand morning and evening. So that means that this wasn't just one day. For 40 days, Goliath came out to the battlefront and said, Do you have any takers? Does anyone want to fight me? No? Okay. Then he'd go back. And he'd come back in the evening and he'd say it again. For 40 days, the Israelites stood in fear of this Goliath and no one came up forward to fight him. I, I never realized it was that long. I always just assumed, just based off of when you read the story from like kids' books and stuff, that it was just a really fast, it was, a really, it was one day. And David happened to be there. But no, this went on for 40 days. What does this say about Israel and Saul? They are weak and scared, right? But now let's get to know the next king of Israel, David. Let's see. We will move on to... And Jesse said to David, his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain, and essentially, you need to go bring them some food. And so David does that. And on that day, they were still doing battle with the Philistines. And so David gets up early in the morning. He heads down to the battlefront with the meal for his brothers. And as he draws near to the battle, remember this has been going on for a while, he approaches the battlefront. And as he does to to bring them their lunch, Goliath comes out. And he gets to witness Goliath come out. And, And so he witnesses Goliath come out and say the things that he says. You know, hey, does anyone want to fight me? Does anyone want to take me on? We could end this battle so much quicker if one person would fight me. Are there any takers? No one? Okay. And so... David witnesses this. And all the men of Israel, when they saw this man, being Goliath, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men said to Israel, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. So again, the men, including Saul, are afraid. And they're afraid of Goliath. And, and so David's asking them questions about what's going on, like, you know, who is this guy? Uh, and they tell him, and they say, And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And, and listen to how David responds. And David said to the men who stood by him, 
What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice where David's focus is now, right? David isn't focused on, wow, look at that brooding giant. No, he's going, this uncircumcised Philistine, which is pretty much just like he's insulting him, right? This guy's defying who? The armies of the living God. David's focus isn't on the circumstance. It's focused on God himself. And he's going, this guy's coming out and defying God himself. Why are we allowing him to do this? Like, don't we serve the living and true God, guys? Like, what is going on here? Something's not right. And, and so he says that, and everyone else in the army goes, well, pretty much are you, so you saying you can take him on? And David's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I can. And so wind gets to Saul about this, and so Saul brings David forward. And you can imagine now that... Um, you know, he had heard this and maybe he was thinking, oh, finally, you know, a mighty warrior is going to come and take him on. I've been waiting. Whew, finally. Okay. And then David steps forward. David was a youth at the time. He was a young guy and he was probably shorter. And he steps forward to face Goliath. And Saul's like, what? No, this ain't going to work. And let's read how he responds. Uh, let's see. Well, let's read first what David says to Saul. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Like Saul goes, You can't expect to actually face this guy in battle. David, look at him. Look at Goliath. He's huge. He's got a dude who carries his shield for him because he's such a mighty warrior. This guy is, he means business. He's been doing this his whole life, and you're just a kid. How could you possibly expect to take him on? And this is how David responds. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear who took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. So David's response is to compare this Goliath to a mere lion or bear. First of all, I I think it's impressive to mention that David was brave enough to take on lions and bears to protect his sheep. It's pretty awesome. I would have ran away, I'm sure. And so he compares this Philistine to a bear and a lion, to just a mere brute that, um, you know, if I can take on these things, I can, I can take on this Goliath, no problem. But listen to, like, he's not putting his hope in himself. He's not putting his hope or his, like, bravery in his ability. What does he say? He said, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. His, his, he's coming against this person because he acknowledges the fact that God is real and living, and he goes, this God whom we serve, who is real, is being defied, and we need to stop this Goliath from doing that. And so, 
Uh, he goes on and says, The Lord who delivered me from, this, from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so Saul says, all right, go ahead, do it. And so what happens next is Saul says, all right, let's put some armor on you. You've got to prepare you for battle, right? You can't go out there in just like a tunic and a you know, sheep staff. You've got you to wear something. And, and so he puts Saul's armor on him. And so David puts on all that armor, and he kind of, okay, I'll try it out. But he realizes that it doesn't work. Like this armor isn't going to work for him. So he goes, no. I'll just go out and do like I'll just go out into the battle and and use the tools that I know how to use well to fight this uh, pretty much a lion or bear. I got this. I'll use what I'm used to using. And so in verse 41 he says, "And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David, with his shield bearer in front of him." And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So he pretty much just cussed him out, in other words. And, and I imagine that Goliath saw David, like he finally gets a challenger to approach him, and he's like, finally, a fight and who comes forward but this little shrimpy David, right? And he looks at him and he goes, are you kidding me? I'm just looking for a fight here, guys, and you bring me this little guy? Maybe if I intimidate him with my words, he'll run away. But obviously it doesn't work because here's how David responds. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give you the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. And so David responds not by, you know, hot talking back. He goes, you have defied God, and God is going to win this fight. It's not about David at this point. He is here to be a servant for the Lord, and he goes, God's going to win. It's not about me. God's going to, you know, kick your tail. And so... If you imagine that for the last 40 days, these two armies have been faced off against each other, and finally someone comes forward, they're imagining it's going to be quite the fight, right? Well, at least you would hope. But listen to what happens. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand on his, in his bag, and he took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. Pretty short battle, right? David wasn't dependent on his skill. He wasn't dependent on his ability. He was dependent on the Lord, and the battle was over like that. It was quick. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. 
And we know how the rest of the story goes. From that point forward, that was David's big victory. And because of that, Saul eventually uh, puts him in charge of the armies, and David becomes this mighty warrior for him. But then Saul eventually gets jealous of David, and, and through a series of events, David eventually becomes the king of Israel. And, and this story of David and Goliath is a part of that. And so, what does this have to do with us, guys? Like, what does this have to do with 2019? Like, how does the story of this small guy defeating a big giant um, in battle, in a bloody battle, because, I mean, he cuts his head off later. We don't mention that in the kids' stories. Um, well, so what do we do with this? Um, commonly, people like to allegorize this story and, and say, okay, um, be like David and face your giants, right? That's traditionally what people will do. Um, I would say that if we're going to keep the story within its context, we need to look at this story, and first of all, we need to see that this story of David and Goliath is um, a further look at God's faithfulness to his people despite their unbelief, right? Israel sat there and doubted God. We probably didn't even think about God for 40 days in this battle going on, and God still faithfully provided them a way out through David. And for us this morning, we need to remember that despite life and uh, the mundane and the slow and agonizing things that we go through throughout the day-to-day, God is there and we are called to trust that he's going to deliver us from whatever it is we're facing. Um, it, it also means that, you know, God uses people who have faith in him. And what a, what a, it's simple to say, but to actually live out, that's a whole other thing, right? Like, God will use the faithful, the people who uh, don't only uh, say they believe in God, but they act like they believe in God. Does that make sense? Like, David took action against Goliath. He didn't just say he would. He, he did it. And so the call for us as Christians today is to be, is to be challenged to like act like God is actually there and live for him and be about him and put your faith and trust in him. Um, the, the third and final thing I'll point out is I, I mentioned that the story of David and Goliath is a story within a story of the whole book of 1 Samuel. And it's about the history of Israel, right? Um, but that story is within the greater story of God's ultimate plan of redemption because this Old Testament story always eventually leads to Christ. And so now, with Christ in mind, we can look at the story of David and Goliath and see that ultimately Christ is the greater David. Christ is the greater David who, uh, if you notice that God likes to use the weak to do the mighty works that he calls them to do, Right? Like he used a small boy in a rock to defeat Goliath. In the same way, he used Christ at his weakest by hanging him on a cross and letting him get beaten unjustly and dying to bring us salvation. That's how God works. And so we can look now at the gospel of Christ and we can uh, be encouraged by the fact that like, God brings us salvation and he... Uh, moves and acts, and we can look at this story and be encouraged by that. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to close in prayer and I'll let you help you. Father God, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would uh, help us to go out and uh, be your people and live faithfully. It's in your beautiful name we pray, amen. You guys are dismissed.